0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. As most of my listeners know, we often have an ally on the show, and you know I'm a true believer in having allies in our fight for equity in the workplace and equality in the world. I'm super excited today um, to have a special guest on. Um, We have mutual friends. But I don't know Steve personally. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, Steve?
1: Thanks, Susan. Yeah, great to be on on the podcast. Um, I am the founder and president of Centerforce Conferences, and we run – we started out running patent IP conferences, our IP strategy summit, and then we – have now predominantly run diversity women in law our women in law and leadership summit series around the country. And we're in every major market running. Um, We were running in person conferences, but COVID put, put, put a stop to that. So we're now running virtual, but yes, the majority, I would say, you know, 80% of our conferences are diversity based um, and dealing with diversity women in law.
0: So Steve, um, is it Kemak or Kamak? How do you pronounce Kemak, that?
1: Kemak, Kemak, Kamek.
0: just yeah. like it's, it, it reads, just like it reads. So I wanna say folks, I am not familiar with Steve. I'm having the pleasure of meeting him along with you, but I am familiar with their conferences and they are incredible. I very much enjoy what I learn and the connections I've made from being involved. And I'm a huge supporter of all that Steve does. So I'm so happy to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit how you got to where you are? Maybe some background info.
1: Yeah. So as you can, and and Susan was just before we started, was talking about my accent. You can probably tell I I originate from the UK, um, from the south of England, a town called Lewis, which is near Brighton. But I was actually born in Turkey. My mother is Turkish and my dad english so i came over my dad was teaching there i came over to the uk when i was four and that's important to the diversity conversation just because i never really felt like i fit in in the uk and so i always felt like an outsider um kind of uh, kind of difference in terms of just coming it was a it's a very sort of back then it was a very kind of monosyllabic culture um and I got into tennis. I got quite good at tennis. I got a tennis scholarship to come to the States. Um, I came over to the States in 91 to a small college in South Carolina. Then I transferred to Montana State. And in the summers, I would teach tennis in the Hamptons. Um, And then I really got into my studies and wanted to become a history professor and tennis coach um, and then i realized how much money they made so after moving (laughs) to the uk to start a phd program at the university of london institute of classics i came back to america uh, started my life again and and got a job selling classified ads and then uh, did well at that and gone into the conference business trade shows and sort of stayed stuck into that business and then about just over 10 years ago, I started my own company doing conferences, um, and we started off doing Wall Street events, finance events, and we moved into patent and IP events, and now um, diversity. So I'm really the story of an immigrant coming to the States to, to seek, seek his fortune, um, and uh, started my company 10 years ago, um, and you know, never would have imagined I would be running diversity conferences for a living.
0: Well, I am so glad for your journey. And what a remarkable journey. What a multifaceted human you are. And I have to say, um, I did not know. I mean, of course, I I know of you. I'm certainly, you know, very familiar with your successful conferences. Um, They add a lot of value to the work that I do. And I've met some remarkable people in my relationships with folks that Uh, run your conferences but it's such a pleasure to meet you what a great story I'm sitting here in my mind's eye and I'm traveling with you as you tell your story and I haven't been to all the places that you mentioned but I've been to a few and I think wow what a great life story he has and you're you're clearly um you know you have more to go right I'm sure there there's a lot more to come for you um well let me ask you this uh I know what you do and I'm familiar with the conferences, but how can others benefit directly from the work that you do, Steve?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So what we look to do is we've structured the, we structured the diversity conferences um, in a way where we primarily cater to the in-house council. So we, what, what we've done and what we str- the way we've structured it is the actually in-house council attend the conferences for free, as long as they're in-house counsel, corporate counsel. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that I, I, we can we could discuss a little later, but then we, we um, look at having discussions around slightly more provocative uh, talking points than when we were doing the research on, on, on the content, we found that there was a lot of vanilla, vanilla discussions around diversity. We didn't really find that there was a lot of in-depth hard questions being asked and what we you know the the, the topics that we came up were around that uh, self-advocacy talking about money and pay negotiating for themselves how to balance sort of home life integration and, and we sort of morphed that into a slightly more provocative discussion around you know um, caregiving and how you balance your career right I mean that that was a standard thing but then we started getting questions like why do we Why does this topic come up only in in women's conferences, right? Like the work life balance topic. And so, what what we look to do is give the individual the tools to create change for themselves so that they can then go affect change within their organizations because the audience is primarily women, right? And so, the other thing that was very interesting about the legal community is that you've got incredibly highly skilled, uh, highly qualified people that are being underpaid both on the um on the corporate side to a degree but really on the legal side it's huge the the gap between the two the two worlds and and there was a weird thing going on where we found out that the more successful people were when they left the law firm the higher they went up in corporations right and so we wanted to give people the ability to make changes and because we we weren't going to get we weren't going to get Kind of the executive branch involved in the um in the conferences male basically male management we're starting to but we wanted to give people the tools and also the community we found out that people women didn't know that the, they were experiencing the same things as the, their peers which was hugely profound for me because i was moderating and running these events and we couldn't believe that people didn't understand that there was like everyone else was struggling with this right and right. so kind of. There was this divide and conquer thing going on where where women didn't understand that there was other people, other women struggling with the same way they were, and then society was dividing them and you know isolating them and not allowing them to um, to 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 grow. And so it was a form of oppression, really subjugation. And um, so we we wanted to give we want to give people. It's a very self development oriented discussion really because we want to give people the tools to leave and create some level of change right so we challenge people to mentor to sponsor others to, to do something to, to net connect with people at the conference to go do one thing when they leave not just you know consume the content so that's what we look to do with the conferences that we run.
0: I have to say knowing about the conferences I, I recognize the beauty in the fact that you address the uncomfortable conversations you really get into the real talk is what we call it about issues that, you know, women and other minorities face in that industry and in the world, actually. Um, You know, I I also love what you mentioned about community because that's very evident with the folks that run the conferences, as well as those who are guest panelists. Um, And now meeting you, I can see it in you as well. Community is very important. You need that support structure and I think as women, we often feel like, oh, this is, I'm the only one this is happening to. But you've exposed that, and you have shown us that you're not alone, and we are here going through the same thing, and here's how we suggest you handle it or prevent it even better. And that's one of the things I love about your conferences. So um, let me ask you something. I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, he does a lot of work for women and other minorities what's a white guy doing, doing this? You know, how how seriously are you taking running diversity and inclusion conferences?
1: Well, that gets, it's, it gets to the, it gets to the heart of it. Right. And I'll, I'll start off. There's a joke I sometimes tell at the conferences to sort of, if I feel I've got a, a, if I'm moderating or I'm, you know, have the right type of audience, I say, how, how does a a mediocre white male become an expert? (laughs) And, And, um, It's because he calls himself one, right? So just to sort of, (laughs) it normally comes up on the self-advocacy topic. So um, I've, you know, this one is, I've thought long and hard about this because, you know, completely being authentic and open book, I never started out, you know, I'm running a business. Um, We saw that this wasn't being done right and it was an opportunity to do it right. It, It fit the format that we'd run conferences previously. When I ran the first conference, we actually did Women in IP. Um, I couldn't believe all the things I just said, the, the sense of community, how people, the, the engagement, the discussion, the desire for change, the feeling that that change needed to occur. Um, I became a convert, and it was for a couple of reasons. There's a group of people 50, over 50% of the population, which in some form, and and I'm a big believer in the power of language. There is is there's a form of oppression going on, right? Yes. And then secondly, economically, um, you have people who have to be much better than their male counterparts to have any to have three quarters of the success, right? And so economically. This country, the West, the world, is not tapping into 50% of its population, right? And so um, it completely changed the way that I saw things. It changed the way I hired. It changed the way I did things. And so I, I you know, again, to, I'm not calling myself an expert, but I, I put myself out, out there and I say, look, I'm, I'm a role model. I, don't, I didn't wake up 10 years ago saying I want to start a conference company that creates uh, change for women and minorities. I wanted to run a very value-based company, where I put people first. I believe in my employees. I believe in self-development, and those values just trickled into. There was a topic where profoundly, I left that conference knowing that we were making we were making a difference, and that to me was the the key. You know, we 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 are making a difference, and. Um, you know, we, we, hire, we started to hire differently. And you, you talked to Robin Frank on, on a, one of these podcasts. She came up to me, even though she does admit it, and asked me for a job after coming to one of our events, basically kind of twisted my arm. And I'm glad she did. Um, and so, you know, I'm very humbled by what I experienced. Uh, and I've learned a huge amount. It's made me a better manager um, and, a, and a better person because of it. And, and we run a business that I can truly be proud of today.
0: I can totally agree with that last statement. You do run a business you can truly be proud of. And it is Robin, through Robin Frank, um, that I know of your conferences. She is inextricably linked to the success of those conferences. And I am so grateful um, that you made the wise decision to bring her on board because she is a powerhouse. And the community that I have become a part of as a result of my knowing her is so strong and we we love her and respect her and i'm glad you gave her a shout out there because she definitely is synonymous with the success of center force and the conferences good call on your part um you know that i focus on equity in the workplace and i want to ask you this question it doesn't have to be a grand scheme i know you have lots of ideas you've touched upon a number of things that I teach, including muted group theory, which you may not realize you touched upon that, but when you hang up, Google it and you'll see what I mean. Um, okay. How can men help women achieve equity in the workplace?
1: They men, first of all, need to understand that society as a whole, we've been, we've been trained, right? We have our unconscious bias and, um, we have to let go in some respects and understand that by opening up the opportunities for everyone not just can you know kind of uh, protecting because there's a an, uh, an un you know i don't think people realize that has men white men especially who think they're not biased or not um racist or not you know uh, sexist in any way um Are part of the problem because we are protecting an economy that protects us, right? So um, Yes, we have to listen and understand first and accept and know that over the course of this journey We will create more opportunities for everyone including men and women, right? And so that coming from that perspective allows people to listen Um, and open up to where, where we can help and go out of your, you have to get, make yourself uncomfortable. Men have to make themselves uncomfortable when they're in leadership positions to hire different people, because even the way that you manage has to change so that you can open up and experience that there is so many ways in which you can, you can grow your business and increase your responsibilities and make a difference. Um, just by listening and understanding, um, I think there's a, there's a lot of fear to start with, right? So you have to go beyond that um, so that you are uh, in a position to create change. Um, secondly, you, you know, if, if you are fear-based, men are fear, you know, and I, I, I believe that change is, ch- change is change, whether you're coming from a positive intent or a negative intent, you can't be taken seriously if all you hire or give opportunities to are other people that look like you. So even from a career, even from a Machiavellian standpoint, you're you're going to be left behind, right, Uh, if you don't. And so there's a two, I think you've got to have a little bit of uh, fear too. I I don't mind saying that, I think it's important because otherwise you will get left behind. So I think it's a two-pronged approach. You have to listen, know you have unconscious bias and you have to act uh, and give people the opportunities. And if it's coming from a positive place because you believe it, that's great. But it, if it also should come from a place of fear that you're not going to become a dinosaur.
0: I love most of what you just said. That's incredible. And that's amazing that you're so open, honest, and direct about your own. Um, here you are a man saying these things that are also true about men. That's wonderful. Let me ask you this, just to keep it real. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what do women do um, whether positive or negative? What, what do they need to continue to do or to stop doing that hurts other women or what do they need to continue to do to help other women? You know, either way we'll look at that.
1: So I can tell, I can tell the listeners about Trent, like we've run a lot of conferences and for two years i moderated almost all the panel sessions until we brought Robin in, right? And so, and I've listened to the discussions and so the things that seem to come up as as obstacles are the the self-advocacy, the self-advocacy element. the fear around talking about money and negotiating for themselves, which comes into the self advocacy, yes, and the um, the politic, the politics in, in the company, the, the 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 hoping that if they do good work, that the quote unquote meritocracy will kick in for them, right? So well, we we, we, spend we a lot know. Of
0: look, we know hope is not a strategy, right? So. I, I, I love what you're saying. So I'm not one of those women and I teach women not to be the woman you're describing, but that is the woman that's out there. That's the majority of women are exactly what you're saying. I love this. Carry on.
1: Yeah. And then, so, um, those are the themes that come up constantly that we are, that, that we want to have a discussion about. And, and sometimes I wanted to say more or ask more provocative Questions, But I felt it, it's a scary thing moder- as, a, as a white man moderating um, conferences where, you know, you see these themes. And then one other theme that came up was the balance at home where a lot of the women were, I would say, 50 percent to two thirds of the audience were the primary breadwinner or the, the person who major- generated the majority of the income, which was another really fascinating, made, made this law, you know, the legal community so interesting. And I think that created a level of fear. That made it hard for people to feel that they could take risks, right? Yeah. Um Combined with a, a lack of willingness to let go about, you know, not be the chief operating officer at home, right? Sometimes the the clothes yeah. come out pink, right? So those were the things that the themes that we we heard we hear a lot about. What we've experienced is the energy, the engagement, and the willingness to to um, now create communities and go out there and create change, right? And so, um, just the effectiveness we, we, we've heard about and seen, and then I've seen by completely changing my workforce, um, you know, those are the things that I think get left behind and that, 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 that women need to sell themselves to continue doing, right? I think yes. people, like 65% of corporate legal departments are women and they're getting that, you know, and right now they under a huge amount of pressure because they're doing all the really terrible jobs of letting people go and liability and litigation and, you know, all the things that come up around this. Right. And so the effectiveness of of where I see women in general, um, is, is profound. They're, you know, I think, you know, the the level of efficiency and what they can do is, is phenomenal. We see that all the time at the conferences.
0: We are managers by nature, but we are leaders by, you know, intent. We have to be intent on being leaders. So I'm just loving everything you're saying. And I want to, you know, look back at a little bit of what you said about yourself earlier. Um, In this part of the show, I like to ask what's called the wild card question, only if the guest is game. So are you I'm game.
1: game? I'm game. I'm game. (laughs) If you're game for my answer, yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I know you now, and I think I like you, and I'm game for your answer. So I'm going to pull a card out of a box of 144 questions, and I'm going to see what the question is. Um, Here we go. So, Steve, what is a skill or a talent you wish you had?
1: Uh, I wish I was more organized. I I was more organized, (laughs) as you can tell from uh, my correspondence and setting this up with me. Yes, I wish.
0: You're forgiven. I don't. Come on, let's not sweat the small stuff. No, no, no.
1: no. But that is that. I, I do. I, I wish. I'm a big picture guy. I rely on my mind too much. Even struggle with calendaring. Can I remember a lot of stuff? Um, And uh, the the making the mundane more routine would be make my life a lot easier. I think.
0: I happen to be a strategic thinker and a big vision person and understand that it takes a lot in me to consciously make sure I'm crossing the T's, dotting the I's, setting the calendar appointments, all the the meaningful minutiae that must take place, the the small things that count. So I hear you, brother. I get it. What, may I ask, is your Myers-Briggs personality if you know it?
1: um i did i've never taken the Myers briggs personality i've taken that n- another i've taken the other but sort of high promoter um was the self kind of the high set like but on the verge um i think that was the sort of it was on the 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 edge of also being um kind of studio i can't remember the exact words but i've never taken the myers briggs
0: so yes. when you hang up with me, go to the number yeah. 16, the word personalities.com 16 okay. person- and you take the test. It doesn't take 10 All minutes right. and you send Sorry. me your results. I'm curious to know uh, right. where okay. you stand. Okay. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Um, how do you spend your free time?
1: I uh, um, love, to, love to cook, love to have dinner parties uh, with friends. Um, actually just had Robin over, have a place, just got a place in at the end of Long Island, it was a dream house put together. So have uh, loved doing that. I love playing tennis still. Um, I am was right before the COVID thing kind of got going and running an events company, you know, just getting over, having a nervous breakdown from how I'm going to run events in this kind of new economy. <laughs> yeah. um, but a big development guy, love to read self-development books um, and sort of that that aspect of things. Um, You're
0: quite the so Renaissance
1: man. oh uh, yes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so love love to do that, and then um, you know, spend time with my wife as much as I can. We we you know, um, she's my best friend, and we don't have kids, so we have a fantastic relationship. So um, <laughs> th- that's how we spend our time.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I will say, I happen to be married to a CEO. Um, but he is the COO of our home. And I'm so grateful for, to him because during COVID-19 shelter in place, he has done all the cooking, all the cleaning. Um, you know, he's taken on the responsibilities that are stereotypically women, res, women-owned responsibilities in the home. Uh, so I'm super grateful for him and to him. But one thing I wanted to mention is he too is a tennis and history buff. So I love to hear that. That's great. He too reads business and self-help and, you know, business books and such um, with, well, actually he uses Audible, to be honest. He doesn't
1: read. Actually, you know what? I find it easier to do that with, with um, uh, a lot of the development books now. Um, yeah. Audible seems to be easier just because sometimes I've found it recently harder to focus. So yes, I found the Audible and podcast to be really... Um, Easier to digest, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the same for him. Well, in closing, I want to make sure people know how to reach you. So how can people connect with you?
1: Um, LinkedIn is the best way. Um, my my marketing crew has Instagram, um, uh, Twitter, sender force at Twitter. Um, but I would say Steve Kamak at LinkedIn. It's also being co-opted as a company, LinkedIn, too. So they use that a lot. But, uh, you know, Stephen Kamak at LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me and reach out to me.
0: Well, it was such a pleasure getting to know you. I now, so I leave many of my guests, I leave feeling like we're friends for life. Uh, Some I get to know better than others, but this was such a pleasure to get to know you and uh, thank you for being on the show.
1: Thanks for inviting me, it was great, great fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, one last thing I wanna thank you for, and it's a big one. Thank you for being an ally.
1: My pleasure. We, would, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the amazing women in our lives personally and um, you know in business and we need to recognize that
0: I love it have a great day Steve, and have a great day Thanks everybody thank you right,
1: for.